welcome to episode probably 17. Nope, it's 16. Of Hello Fellow Kids, the podcast where Josh and Mara, I don't think I've introduced us in the last like six episodes, the podcast where oh. Josh and Mara okay. yeah. <laughs> uh, read and review young adult literature. Full spoilers. Yeah, absolutely. Complete and- I feel t- like we never warn that we spoil the entire book. If this is your first time listening, Welcome! We're recording way out of order right now because we have a bunch of, like, we have a couple of promotional books that we got, and we're trying to squeeze them in so it's not, like, six months after we got them. Right. And so we haven't even released, at the time of recording this, we haven't released episode 13 yet, and we're (laughs) recording episode 17, so let's see how this goes. Yeah. Uh, Anyways, this month we read So You Want to Be a Wizard by Diane Duane. And up until you said her name out loud in my head, I always said Diane Duane because it's the same, it's the same <laughs> name, but just one vowel has changed. <laughs> I like Diane Duane. That sounds like, that sounds like a Middle Earth name. <laughs> it sounds... Diane Duane. Of the Anduans. <laughs> it sounds to me like some sort of like a, uh, like doo-wop song. Dan, Dwen, 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 Dwen. She's the wizard, the mighty wizard. Dwen, Dwen, Dwen. Anyways, so. Yeah, enough of that. So, this is one of the older books that we've done. This was first written in 1983. I believe that makes it the second oldest. Uh, Nim, or Mrs. Frisbee, N- yeah, and the I think, Nims. I think Nim was 70s. Yeah. Then probably the view from, view Saturday, from Saturday, I think, was pretty old too, which is why no one listened to it. <laughs> so yeah, this series, believe it or not, is still going. Um, oh, that's right. Yeah, there's yeah, there's like ten. Books. There are ten novels so far. The most recent was in was in 2016. Is it still the 80s? Are well, they still children? I I don't know, but I will tell you the book <laughs> nine is called A Wizard of Mars, and it has like War of the Worlds like UFOs with like the the tripod legs. Okay. So I'm not sure where the heck this series goes. All right. She's just like, why not? And like makes it happen. Uh, a small note: uh, if you want to read this, apparently in 2011 or 2012, they decided to republish the first four books with updated language okay. and references to pull it out of the 80s and put it in more of a modern setting which i we both read earlier publications of it um okay i think ours are like 90s printings probably so they didn't shoehorn in like i was on the facebook earlier (laughs) (laughs) right i'm sure it's more just like i looked on the internet or no no no, it's not really awkward they go the web right w and you're like no one calls it that it's really, I'll see that in books written in the last, like, five years. I'm like, what is wrong with you? I look on the World Wide Web. I'm like, what? No one says that. So, yeah, if you uh, if you pick up a copy that uh, sounds like it wasn't written in the 80s, it may be the, the updated one. Ours are definitely in the 80s. Um, oh, yeah, the whole outfit she describes her wearing. There's, like, the just a long sleeve shirt with a big puffy vest. And I was like, Marty McFly. She's pulling Marty <laughs> McFly right now. Um, I need to hand this to you because I'm going to keep clicking it otherwise. Um, oh, okay. I'll do it for you. Thank you. <laughs> I just, I couldn't deal with all that responsibility. Okay. I think that's about all I have to say before we get into um, our side of things. How did you feel about this book? No spoilers yet. She's a good writer. Yes. She's a good writer. Capable. Um, it was well plotted. I feel like all the elements were there for it to be a good story, but I didn't really care. It was just missing, like, 
like a little bit of soul. Yeah. <laughs> That's what I felt was missing. Otherwise, I was just like, no, there's nothing wrong. Nothing's like pinging me as like, why is this happening? It's just all very like, here we go, here we go, here we go. Maybe that's kind of the problem because it was very like, we do this, we get to this, therefore there's this, 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 and we never really have time to kind of sit with the characters, which is kind of what you said about one book. I don't remember which one, but you said you couldn't really care about the characters because we didn't get to spend much time with them. And I feel like that's what happened here, particularly Kit, because we kind of live in Nita's head. Right. And And Kit's just this, I don't know, I couldn't tell you the first thing about him other than like he's a... Is he an immigrant or he has an accent? He, uh, they they meant I mean they mentioned that he's Hispanic and that he uh, has I don't know where in his family history immigration might have occurred. Probably um, recent because because of the accent because he yeah. has an accent that he says the kids at school make fun of him for. But we don't I don't know he doesn't really. Point of note there before we even get into this the two main characters are both characters of color based on their naming conventions. Are they? Well, it's Juanita and then. You can just name your kid that, though. You could. Her um, last name's Callahan. Her sister's red-haired. Listen, hey, that doesn't can, mean that they're that's not true. entirely. Well, okay. I, I don't... But the, the art that. doesn't support that, which I feel... They kind of whitewash everybody. Like, um, the book, uh, the Earthsea series by Ursula K. Le Guin. Everybody, like, most of the people in Middle Earth... Uh, Middle Earth. I'm sorry. Earthsea. We were just making Middle Earth jokes about right, it, yeah. Right, yeah. Uh, Ursi are black. And the the main character, the, the main wizard that she writes about for all the books, is black. And she's like, yeah, they've been making him lily white on the cover for years. That's just what happened. And then they made the um, the sci-fi channel, uh, did an adaptation. Lily white dude. And not even like an interesting looking lily white dude. He was so mashed potatoes. They were like, that... we need this to be safe. Right, <laughs> but then they they still had uh, like Danny Glover playing like a character in it who was supposed to be black as well. So it's like okay, that's one correct casting <laughs> out of none. <laughs> <laughs> and then when he goes to wizard school, it's supposed to be all men at the school, but they threw in a girl just like that's how it be like Hogwarts. And here's like a Hermione character we wrote in, so we can make and you're like the token no. female. Yes, the token female. The one, the, 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 I, I hate that trope of, like, the token female, who's actually better than everybody, but because she's the girl, it's like, well, that doesn't count. Right. Because you're the girl. Right. But that doesn't have anything to do with this book series. Yeah, Ur- Earthsea is not something we're tackling uh, in episode 17. It's just on my mind because I just finished it recently. Like, the entire series. I'm done. Last book was the best book of all of them. Yeah? Really weird experience. I've never experienced that before. <laughs> I was going to say the last Percy Jackson book is the best Percy Jackson book, but then I'm also completely uh, ignoring the eight following books that he's published so far. <laughs> <and> just, <laughs> the last one's the best if you what, don't count all the others. Was that like the spinoff series of like the Heroes of Olympus? Yeah. Trials, like I, of, Trials of Apollo? I have not read all of them, but as far as I'm concerned so far, Rick Riordan wrote a perfect five book YA adventure series and then retired in 2010. <laughs> We should probably talk about the book that we read for this. See, that's kind of an indicator, <laughs> isn't it? Yeah, of okay, so I I was pretty on board for the first, like, three or so chapters, which, by the way, there are only nine chapters in this book. Yeah. Everything's, it, like, all of the chapters are fairly beefy as far as, like, the book is not very long, like... It just seems like it is because the print is so damn big. Right, because the page count is clocking in almost 400, but yeah. there's only, like, maybe 20 lines per page. Right. It's... <laughs> It's a very, it was a very weird choice. 
which I've actually read other books by specifically this publisher, and that's kind of like their format of choice. Oh, is to do does that. It, does it make kids feel smarter to be reading a longer book? Maybe. <laughs> it was like it. Well, maybe it was like because I think actually I looked in here and ours is like a two thousand one reprint. Maybe they're like Harry Potter came out. Kids like long books. What do we do? Take these little books and we make them look big. Yeah. <laughs> Money. <laughs> You guys think you're so smart with your book learning. We got books about wizards and we can make them super long. Make a hashtag long book. <laughs> what's That's, a hashtag? What's a hashtag? I don't know. Find out what a hashtag is. <laughs> Just this kid in the corner like, Jesus Christ. <laughs> <laughs> God, yeah, this does not speak well for the book. But it wasn't bad. It wasn't. It's, just... it's it. She's perfectly competent at... Competent, yes. At... Yeah, the majority of the writing portion. It's kind of like the opposite problem. Problem. What that the uh, what people say about J.K. Rowling is just like, oh, she's technically not a good author. She's technically not. right, but like, you you like consume that universe, right? Like she's uh, yeah, and... she is she is not the most brilliant in terms of uh, the technical skill of like language use and things like that. But in terms of creating engaging characters and a storyline that you care about and a world that you want to like. There's hardly anyone better. You can't teach anyone to do that. <laughs> right. You can't teach people to be interested and engaged. Whereas I think Diane Duane would be like awesome at like teaching structure. I feel like she'd be like really good with like a co-writer who has like that, that JK Rowling thing. Yeah. It's like, well, let's give you some structure here. Let's figure out this, sure. is, this is like what rising action is and this is how it yeah. goes. Yeah. Like, uh, like how Tuttles, except neither of them were good at any yeah. part of it. They <laughs> <laughs> just fumbled around <laughs> Hey, they're under the ground. It's going to be so... Oh, these guys again. <laughs> I'm just picturing Drake and Josh from the Amanda show when they dress up. As a... <laughs> I'm actually picturing that video by One Direction where they played like Hollywood guys like, we love the direction. <laughs> like talking about the, like their music video. Go see that music video. It's called Best Song Ever. It's terrible and no, nowhere near the best song. Okay. Anyway, so you want to be a wizard? Yeah. I always, every time I picked it up to read it, like, oh, I gotta read this. I think, so you want to be a wizard? <laughs> That's exactly what I did. Yeah. Yep. Yep. All right. Ready? <laughs> it's by Diane Duan. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So one quick point is, uh, I before we got sidetracked, is I was actually quite on board until like chapter three or four and then i just kind of eh for the rest of it but we'll get there so prologue which by the way your prologue prologue? your prologue chapter one (laughs) (laughs) prologue would have been should have been like the star star snuffer doing like his thing you know right the the only the only thing i could conceivably think is every chapter in this it's supposed to be like the name of a chapter from the book that is in the book called oh, So You Want to Be a Wizard? So it's prologue. So it might be... So this, bef- this is before she gets the book, right? Right. So that might be why it's called that, just okay. for that naming convention. But yeah, sense. it doesn't... It, the only prologue that I've read that's this long and this relevant to the story is reading A, a Song of Ice and Fire. The prologues in that are like 60 pages. I'm like, hey. George. Buddy. <laughs> can, I, can I call you RR? Please. <laughs> can I just call you R? <laughs> George. <laughs> Trying to start his car. (laughs) So, prologue. 13-year-old bookworm Nita Callahan is on the run from her school bullies after she couldn't keep her big mouth shut about uh, Joanne's new bike. The bike Nita wanted. wanted. I'm going to call her Nina a lot because that's like 
a more familiar name. Yeah. Um, I'm also going to call her Nit a bunch because it's Nita and Kit. And I keep swapping that. Oh, right. So, it's the, the bike Nita wanted, but her parents couldn't afford. Nita ducks into the local library and hides in the basement, which is the children's section. She has spent innumerable hours there, but today she discovers an old book she's never seen before. So you want to be a wizard. It appears to be a genuine instruction book on learning magic, that or an elaborate hoax. The book describes magic as the conservation of energy, the management of life and death, and the inevitable entropy that follows. Furthermore, the capital S speech is one of the most vital magic skills and therefore an aptitude in language signals a likelihood of being magic capable. Nita discovers that she fulfills enough criteria in the book to be a wizard. The librarian, Mrs. Lesser, who seems to always know more than expected, lets Nita take the book home for the weekend despite her not having her library card. Just outside her house, Nita is ambushed by the bullies led by one Joanne Varela, and she returns home pretty badly battered, and her favorite space pen, which was a gift from her uncle, is missing. Her parents don't seem nearly as concerned as they should be, and her precocious younger sister, Doreen... Doreen, is that... That is, is the weirdest, dumbest name. D-A-I-R-I-N-E. I'm gonna go with Doreen, but if anybody uh, wants to correct me or uh, just tell me what the weather's like at their house, feel free to email us at... My H-A-K. brain just said diarrhea. <laughs> self-defense, and I just moved on. Like, okay, her sister, diarrhea. <laughs> uh, younger sister, Doreen, offers to beat Joanne up. Nita's father, a struggling florist, asks her why she doesn't fight back, and Nita explains that she's tried, and that just makes things worse. After he leaves, Nita figures, why not, and recites the wizard's oath from the book. If the book is fake, nothing will happen, and if it's real, well, things can only improve, right? After a strange dream sequence that reeks of foreshadowing, (laughs) Nita awakes to find her name listed in the book's directory of New York Wizards. Remind me that we need to come back and discuss elements from this first chapter after we are done, because I don't want to spoiler by talking about what does or does not happen at the end, but it's important to come back around to this. Okay. Uh, that being said, this chapter had the first of my three big predictions. I decided I was going to make predictions and write them out and say them. So I have three predictions in this book, and uh, we'll let you know which ones work out. Prediction number one, Mrs. Lesser, the librarian, is a wizard. That is my first prediction. You're a wizard, Lesser. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Notes on the prologue. The entire setup is the never-ending story. She's running from bullies and then finds a just finds an amazing book. So she's like running along and like ends up in the library. I'm like, I was like, oh come on, turn around, look at what you see. I have not seen the never-ending story in a long time. <laughs> Don't watch it. Don't watch it. Don't. Okay. Okay, because when you watch it as a grown-up, you realize just how boring it is. Okay. For reals. I was like watching it. It does not hold up. And I'm sorry if you feel it does. No, it doesn't. I love this. <laughs> I love this Your opinion so. is wrong. <laughs> I, I was talking about it with another person recently and they're like, it just doesn't hold up. I go, it really doesn't. But I loved that shit when I was a kid. And this was so the setup, like the same, but like you just flip, swap the gender of the child. And also... I was like, okay, cool. So it's like a girl running from like a bully, and it's like a girl bully that's not like the girl bullies that this is ain't Regina George. This is full on I'll beat the crap out of you right. kind of bully. And usually you don't see girls like that in media. So I was just like, hmm. Right. Okay, the bullying kinda... for them is more of the like I'll spread stories gossiping. about you. Not not we'll, the uh... we'll ignore you, so you're like alone all yeah. year. Not yeah. the, like, I'm gonna curb stomp your knee or whatever happens. Right, you know, like, the boys will be boys kind of bullying. Right. Yeah. So, um, I mean, cool. <laughs> I guess. <laughs> I mean, it's not cool for Nita at all, but... 
Diverse representation of bullies. Uh, yay? <laughs> boo? <laughs> yeah, that's totally boo. That's, that's... When she goes into the library, she starts talking about uh, all of the old friends that she has in the books and stuff. Strange creatures like phoenixes and Samedes. P-S-A-M-M-E-A-D. Uh, I had to look that up. They are what from Five Children and It by E. Nesbitt. E. Nesbitt. That's the Railway Children author. Okay, whenever I see Nesbitt, I just think of uh, I'm Mrs. Mrs. Nesbitt! Nesbitt. <laughs> Shout uh, out to Toy Story. We're going to be doing this a lot, aren't we? <sighs> uh, the book has, uh, the book So You Want to Be a Wizard is part of like the series of So You Want to Be a career that books a, that I don't know if that's real or I've, not. I've never heard of them. Yeah. Maybe uh, it's which like... Which doesn't mean they don't exist. Right. But this was written at a different time. So maybe, maybe if you were um, growing up in like the late 70s, early 80s, this would be something you'd heard of. But I can kind of picture it. I'm picturing like, yeah. kind of like those crummy books. Crummy books. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like they're probably like olive green or something and have like a picture of some kid with like slightly too longish of hair with like the like the jersey type shirt with like the collar and like this pants go out like at the bottom like really far. <laughs> you know exactly what I mean. The really dated clothing. Right. And yeah, I'm it's... wondering if there's a book series like this that just had a slightly different name. Maybe you would like to be this, <laughs> right? Uh, <laughs> but uh, it has the Dewey Decimal number of seven nine three point four, which I also looked up, and wow. it is indoor games, games of action. Okay, like D and D. I guess so. I you can play that outside. Yeah, I mean, why would you? All you it? need is some dice in your imagination. Never ending story. <laughs> <laughs> So let's, I would like to talk a little bit more about uh, just kind of establishing what magic is in this world, because magic has a bunch Science. of different, right, magic has a bunch of different interpretations depending on your story. In the case of this, it is, it's very scientific in how it's done. There's a lot of, and we'll see this balancing pretty shortly, equations. a lot of balancing, a lot of, uh, uh, not math in the same way that we think about math, but a lot of the, the that sort of. I still couldn't do it. I could not be a wizard. <laughs> And its primary function is the conservation of mass and energy and using that as a way to work against death and entropy. The idea being that... But not to stop it. Right. But at least to slow right. it. Right. The idea is everything is going to head that way eventually, but if we can prevent it from happening at an unreasonable rate, uh, that is what magic is supposed to do. And that yeah. can take a couple of different forms. You can... Uh, it mostly focuses on growth and stuff, which can happen both with organic and inorganic matter in two kind of different ways. I don't necessarily, I would not call this my favorite interpretation of magic, but I do like when the magic of a story has kind of like established rules of like, this is how it's going to work and we're not going to like, we're not just kind of like wiggle our hands at it and just right. say, well, magic explains all of it. You know? Oh, Mora! <laughs> <laughs> So I do like that it, it has a structure. I think that's pretty cool. That is. Um, there's a passage in here that says, No matter how much preserving we do, the universe will eventually die, uh, but it will last longer because of our efforts. And since no one knows for sure whether another universe will be born from the ashes of this one, the efforts seem worthwhile. And I wrote, Oh good, my greatest existential fears. <laughs> I forgot that uh, there are uh, two of my, I think, yeah, I think I only did three predictions. My second prediction is also in here. Her father is a wizard. That is my second okay. prediction. But he's so not with it. Well, here's the reason. Uh, it talks about how he has he owns flower shops and whatever he touched grew and he seems to have like a particular way with making things grow. And so I was like, oh, it's about life and growing. So maybe... Too bad if you haven't find a way to make money. 
so she gets like beaten up a block from her house and she comes in and her parents are just like how's your day honey you get beaten up again Aw, bummer. Well, the, well, mom was more like, here's some ice. Right. Go lay down. <laughs> right. Well, the dad's just like, fight them. Yeah. Why don't you fight them? Yeah. Because there were eight of them. Fight them. Yeah. <laughs> like, he's, he's like, not really? getting it. Yeah. And he's like, why don't you fight him? She's like, friggin' I did. And that didn't help at all. Because, yeah, when, when people say, like, just, like, fight back against the bullies. That's what they want. Because they f- mess with you because they're spoiling for a fight. I mean... D- Different bullies are going to have different methods and different reasons, but overall, I would say that fighting back is not really, because that just kind of proves to them that you can just solve things with violence, and that they're going to they're gonna still get that attention. Well, yeah. it's also, some of them are just like, oh, I really got to her, didn't I? Yeah. She, right, it's ooh, like, Now I know ooh. that's the button to push. Yeah. Like, I, I don't know. We need to talk to a bully. Yeah. People are going to have different best methods for dealing with bullies, especially from, like, their personal experience or whatever. Especially now that we're in a a place where people are more, are getting to be more willing to actually listen to you instead of just being like, oh, just ignore them, they're kids being kids. Like, talk to somebody. Mm -hmm. You know, if, if someone's messing with you or whatever, tell somebody that can do something about it and don't, don't assume that someone's going to do something for you without you saying anything because there is the bystander effect. I feel like more bullies need to go to therapy. Yeah, no, absolutely. It's so not normal to just keep bothering somebody. Leave them alone. What is your problem? Yeah, no, I mean, yeah. It to- Get a life, it to- you know? It, it totally comes from them having some totally other issue mm-hmm. that they're just manifesting there. Um, I mean, a kid will say a crummy thing or whatever one time, but when but when they're like this, like, this yeah. is my schedule. Okay, it's four o'clock. I gotta go beat the crap out right. of Rita. It's like, it's not I mean, healthy. We, we've touched on bullying in a few of these other stories. Well, both of these children go on to be wizards out of motivation to stop bullies. Yes. Uh, so when so we that's meet, pretty important when we that we get in, a, in yeah. a bit. Uh, that's kind of where this story starts from is she needs a solution to her bullying problem is kind of how this all starts. Um, both literally in that she's hiding in the library and then metaphorically in like maybe, maybe these powers will either directly or indirectly kind of assist with that. Yeah. So... Don't just assume that you should just, like, start wailing on them and then all of a sudden all your problems are going to be solved because that's just also probably going to make more problems. Well, now they're all like, I have to get even with them. Like, what do you mean get yeah, even? Yeah, and then it just becomes like a they're weird... So kidding Yeah, a, a weird misguided escalation. Right, exactly. Which Nita gets where dad's just like, hit him! Yeah. I'm just making him sound super unreasonable. <laughs> yeah, well, he also is like... He's like, I, you know, I'm going to be honest. I really would love to see you totally beat her up because because she's rich and we're not. And I'm like, stop trying to like goad your daughter into a fight because you're upset that you're not making enough money. That's not her problem. That's yours. (laughs) Make them grow faster. You (laughs) Use your your magic power. I don't know why it almost came out like that. Magic. So yeah, I wasn't a huge fan of that. Do we want to read the oath, or do we want to just say, "Oh, there's an oath," and she there's takes an the oath. oath. Let's okay. Move on. <laughs> yeah. I'm so sorry. she takes an oath, and then all of a One sudden, one ring to rule them all, and in the dark. <laughs> that's all that I think of whenever these things happen, like that long ass prophecy in the dragonette prophecy of uh, wings of fire I'm like oh my god and in the dark just find them did You're you done. did you see that article <laughs> about some up-and-coming fantasy author that was really upset at how much space on the shelf like robert jordan and tolkien get in like barnes and noble because she's like we're complete competing against dead guys what is this nonsense and i'm like you're competing against what sells and people buy copies of lord of the rings all the time and also all those books are massive so like if you have a shelf full of robert jordan it has like four robert jordan books this right is a, this is a weird fight to pick i don't care about robert jordan but i do like tolkien 
But it's just like, yeah, like when when your fantasy books are like 900 pages on average, it's like, yeah, they're going to have to take up a lot of space. Yeah. <laughs> so, research and development. The next morning, nope. <laughs> I scrolled way too far. Preliminary exercises. <laughs> See, I just wrote chapter two, chapter one. I did not put the titles because otherwise I knew I would get messed up like that. <laughs> Preliminary exercises. A.K.A. Chapter 1. A.K.A. also Chapter 2. Basically Chapter (laughs) 2. Nita heads to the forest to study her wizardry, and after a while, the crabapple tree starts talking to her. I feel like I didn't give enough context for that, but that's exactly what happens. She goes to a forest, and then there's a crabapple tree. Uh, Well, she's she's reading the book. Yeah. And it says, like, hey, part of wizardry is that you have to, like, kind of sit with yourself for a while and just kind of notice everything happening. It's kind of just meditation, yeah. It's meditating. And when she does, that's when she hears the crab apple well, crabbing. Yeah. <laughs> I like that. I'm like, messing with my leaves. Yeah. And it, uh, the crab apple tree complains about another wizard nearby that's messing things up for other trees. Uh, and she follows the complaints to Kit Rodriguez, a boy who has also been studying wizardry. He's also the victim of bullying due to his race. And uh, he has been trying to use magic to create an aura of power to deter his enemies. Nita joins in on the long process of spell crafting. And they weave together a spell of power for their protection and mix in a spell that will help Nita locate her pen. The spell gives them a top-down view of a dark, kind of strange-looking Manhattan, brightened only by two glowing pulsating points. However, as they watch, a sort of shadowy malevolence seems to see them and creep towards them. In response, they close the spell, and when they do, they notice that something has come through to them. A small, very bright, fairly naive point of light. It speaks to them, believing itself at first to be dead, and then once they convince it that it is not in fact dead, it declares that it must find an advisory to tell them that something called the Naming of Lights is missing. Kit tells Nita that spells always work, uh, because she's like, well, okay, so I don't know where my pen is, we have no power, and all of a sudden there's this glowing light talking to us, and Kit is like, no, spells always work, just not necessarily in the way you expect them to. So, whatever has happened, this will help us locate the pen, and this will solve our bullying problem somehow. And this point of light, which is, uh, after he explains himself, uh, the kids believe him to be a white hole, they realize that he must be able to help them somehow. The hole introduces itself as something incredibly complex, which gets shortened to Fred, and the three strange companions set off. I'm glad I don't talk to trees. <laughs> well, these, these trees in particular were really whiny. I, I didn't realize what kind it was until you said crabapple, and I went, that makes sense. It's like, because when trees drop their leaves, it's like art. Yeah. It's like their art. And then when you like scrape them up, they're like, I spent forever on right. that. <laughs> what the hell's wrong with you, dude? So those are their medic kit for Yeah. Because he's like drawing on the ground in spells, but he's like, he moved the leaves to do so. Yeah. So then she goes over and it's like, hey, you're pissing off the trees. And he said, okay, I talked to rocks. And then that was it. Yeah. So we're going to see this <laughs> expand in a little bit, but Anita uh, kind of had her magic capabilities kind of trend towards organic matter and his trend toward inorganic. Yeah. She's reading the book and uh, the book is not just like instructional stuff. It also has a lot of explanations of like the history of magic and stuff. So it says like she read on finding out how to bridle the nightmare and learning what questions to ask the transcendent pig. Should she meet him? She read about the trees battle, who fought in it, who won it and why she read about the 40 basic classes of spells and their subclasses. She read about time heart which is important because the last chapter is called Time Heart. Uh, she read about Time Heart, the unreal and eternal realm where the places 
and things people remember affectionately are preserved as they remember them forever. So keep that little description in mind for when time heart becomes a thing again later. I do feel a little bit like it's just I'm just kind of listing the things that happen and not really how they make me feel, or it's kind of like lacking that that spark of character. Though I do enjoy Fred the White Hole. I do like Fred. Fred is Fred's pretty, pretty great. Great. <laughs> um, Especially when he gets the hiccups later, as you will find out in yeah. chapter whatever number. When they're working the spells, I wrote it so sciency Elric would love it, which is a Full Metal Alchemist reference. If anybody out there knows Full Metal Alchemist, and I don't. I do, I do genuinely think that the idea of a science-based magic is really intriguing. And while I think it would be really, well, I think it would be really boring to uh, read about like how they craft every single spell, at least the first time I like seeing the process that's, it's not just as simple as, it's not as simple as you think what you want and then you like say a word and then it happens, which is how a lot of magic works. Or you just, you have some sort of item that channels the magic for you. It's far more intricate than that. And I find it really interesting at least the first time around because they're like they're they have to draw things in the dirt and they have to like put things in in different places and then they have to they have to say stuff and when they're saying it what they're doing is they're basically what you do is you describe and define a thing and that's what the spell is is it's getting to the underlying what it is through way of a description uh which i think is pretty cool okay so so here's here's one issue i do have with the whole magic being a science thing is science has like Rules and logic that kind of, you can't really not have them. For example, mass attracts mass, and that's how gravity works. So you have a white hole, and then if you put the white hole on Earth, everything just gets sucked into it and dies. Which there is kind of a workaround if you say, Fred's like, I left most of my mass in like this other dimension or something. um, Which helps, but when I first read it, I was like, I'm not sure that that could, I think we would all be dead at that point. Um, there are a couple other spots where I'm like, I'm not sure. Um, and just because the magic is so close to science, I'm like, I don't know if we can just wave at it and say magic and that will wash it away. Uh, I forget what you answered. Have you read A Wrinkle in Time? That was a long time ago. Okay. That's I did right. read it, but I was a child. Yeah. A Wrinkle in Time also also puts like fantasy and magic really close to science. I remember not liking it very much. Maybe I should read it again and see if my opinion changes on that, but... I don't know, maybe there was just a thing in, like, the 60s through the 80s where they're like, magic has to be kind of like science? Was that when we were just starting to really, like, maybe people were excited get hammered we just... by, like, all the other countries? Like, wait, Japan's, like, really good at science and math and we suck at it. Maybe it's because everybody got so excited about the fact that we just went to the moon. And we're like, look at all the cool things science can do. Well, let's put it with magic because people like magic. Science is a harder sell, though. <laughs> <laughs> Do you want to read a book about balancing equations? No! Do you want to read about magic? Okay. That features balancing equations? I'm going outside. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Research and development for real this time. For reals. (laughs) The next morning, Nita, Kit, and Fred sit outside the school and plan to visit the nearest advisors named Swale and Romeo after school. These two live close to school... But Nita is concerned because uh, Swale has earned the nickname, the local nickname of Crazy Swale because of the odd haunting sounds that come from his house. Before class, Nita confronts Joanne about her pen and Fred is able to snatch it from Joanne and put it in sort of a space pocket. Unfortunately, this is not the first complex matter Fred has ingested since arriving on Earth and spends the day with interdimensional hiccups. 
in which he regurgitates <laughs> everything from an encyclopedia to a Learjet onto the school grounds. <laughs> Poor guy. Thankfully, this also provides the perfect distraction for Nita and Kit to leave school without their bully's notice. They arrive at the advisor's house and discover that Tom Swale and Carl Romeo are perfectly pleasant wizards. They even own a future-telling macaw named Machu Picchu and a super, ma- a super strong dog named Annie. Carl specializes in the maintenance of space and time and fixes up Fred's hiccups, while Tom is an adept researcher. Fred relays his message about the naming, what was it, the naming of lights? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Which Tom explains is also called the Book of, was it, the Book of Naming Night, Book of Something with Moon. Book of Moon with Moon. Moon of Book. Moon of Bookland. <laughs> Books with moons It's dumb, in it. okay? I always just wrote it as the, oh, it just says the name. Book of Night with Moon. Book of Night with Moon. It's called Go the Fuck to Sleep. (laughs) (laughs) So, it's the Book of Night with Moon, which is an artifact in which all things are defined using the speech, and it's like their their true definition for everything, everything that was and will be. Um, There's also a counterpart book, which has definitions of everything, but they're dark and twisted and kind of demented. They, they kind of counterbalance each other. And if one of them is no longer in play, like the fact that they can't find the, the bright book, they can't find that, which leaves the other one with this immense opportunity to create, to like replace the definitions with darkness and stuff. Mm-hmm. So the advisors take all this information into consideration and give the kids a small slice of Saturday morning, literally buying time, uh, that they can use to visit Grand Central in New York, where there is a world gate that they can use to retrieve Nita's pen from the other side of Fred. As the kids leave, they see Joanne's group approaching. Kit takes off, and the girls beat on Nina, but she had cast a spell, uh, a shield spell just before, and it scares the the girls when she doesn't take any damage from the beating. The girls flee, and Nita wonders if she could have scared them so easily without a spell as well. So, are Tom and Carl gay? Okay, so here's the thing. If they are, that's pretty cute. And if they're not, I'm really jealous of how easy they have their roommate situation. Because when I lived with people in college, it was miserable. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just gonna assume they are. I, they I'm, have like cute pets together. Yeah, I'm fair. I'm fairly sure they are. Um, like this, like this bird that predicts the future. Yeah. She says, "Don't look down and don't be afraid to help." Right. And I don't remember what else. Which she are said. like these vague sort of you're not gonna know until until it you're happens. in the moment. Yeah. yeah. It's like ah oh, crap. What did the bird say? <laughs> what does the bird say? Don't look down. <laughs> okay. I think we need to, uh, we need to do the maintenance work of explaining the origin of magic and the, the, the dark power, because that, that relationship is going to kind of come into play when we actually, okay. when we get into the conflict. I didn't write that but down. I have to, yeah, I, I, I have don't to remember the it. origin. But anytime he shows up, it's not good. Yeah. <laughs> Basically. He, I think he's destroyed multiple worlds, hasn't he? Because he's referred to as the star snuffer by Fred. Because Fred knows who this entity is. Right. So there's this entity that is basically, it's a you-know-who situation. He doesn't right. He doesn't don't have a name that is universally used. There are a bunch of different names. Don't speak it. Don't, don't think it. Don't yeah. say it. Don't think it. Say it. He's not the bye-bye man. Oop, I said it. Okay, so basically what happened was the universe was created by a bunch of different powers, right? And there was this one other power, which was the lone power. And what it did it, it was it kind of... It kind of sat and watched as everybody else created every aspect of the universe. And once it saw what everything had created, it wanted to bring its own thing that was totally different. So what it created was entropy and death. 
So it create it basically is like, okay, you've built all this stuff. Well, what happens after? And this lone power came in, and that's what it chose to bring to the world was the slow progression of things into chaos. And so that's this whole thing revolves around this dark power that without having the bright book to compensate, may be able to use these other definitions to force the world more quickly into chaos. And so that's kind of what, there's this big conflict that appears to be brewing. But in the meantime, the kids just want their pen back. <laughs> Look, I just want my pen. I want to like get the world it's, yeah, it's a, it's without a, getting beat it's up. A story, it's a story about a girl, her bullies, and a space pen. And then also a white hole and some interdimensional nonsense. Kind of like <laughs> Hunger Games, where it's just like, I just want my family to not die. It's right? Like, it's like... Then, okay, well, now you're in a revolution. You're like, okay, but... <laughs> seriously, I just wanted us to not starve. Wait, but can we like, get back to that earlier point? <laughs> with this corrupt government. It's like, okay, fine, but then I want to be left alone. I want my family to be fine. Okay, now we're going to kill you. Jesus! I think we've spoiled that exact thing about the Hunger Games like three times over on this podcast. Okay, take it out then. No, it's, it's, if you haven't read it or seen it before, then you're never going to. What if somebody's like ten and they haven't read it yet? Why are you listening to us? Why are you to listening us? to this? Go we read did, a, we go didn't re- literally mean hello, fellow kids. Go read a real book. I feel like we have to clarify that. We don't literally mean other children because we are one. If you can't hear, clearly... we went through puberty at least a decade ago. I thought you were going to say at least twice. <laughs> yeah. I guess technically because there's two of us. <laughs> we went through oh, double puberty. Double secret probation. <laughs> Oops, puberty. I mean, it's hard to say the actual line from Animal House is double secret probation. <laughs> I just love Fred is so... So Fred has never been to anywhere that has this much like matter like organized before. He's used to like stardust and stuff. Yeah. He's used to the far reaches of space. So he comes here and he's like, there are so many things. What am I going to do? Well, what uh, what do, like, black holes and stuff do? They absorb matter. So he's just going to go, he just starts eating things. But then, because it's so, like, complex, he can't, he can't, like, space digest it, I guess. So he just starts puking up things. I really like that. Like, a lot of books will have these weird over-the-top, like, comedic things. I'm like, this is dumb. But because it was played as, like, this is just a thing that's happening, uh-huh. instead of being like, look at how funny it is, it then became funny. <laughs> what like... was that body part where he's like, my such and such is really getting a word. Oh, the it. the clitoris. <gasps> no. <laughs> what was it? <laughs> His ovaries. <laughs> yeah, he he references it a few times, but uh... I think it was like a cue. Well, he has his. He says he says I I wonder if I blown my quanta. Is that it? Oh, he has, no, that's like he has another little, one. Though. That's like all his body, I think. Yeah, that's what dying would be for him. Is if yeah. he blew his quanta. Um, but yeah, no, he has this other thing. Was it, how you doing, Fred? He's like, my such and such. Yeah. <laughs> so he pukes, he like pukes up a portable TV and it goes, uh, Fred? And he's like, I emitted it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was so funny. I was just looking right at that. <laughs> yeah, it says Fred was looking down at the TV with embarrassment verging on shame. I emitted it. Na- naster. G-N-A-E-S-T-E-R. That's it. Yeah, the His naster hurts. <laughs> he's really cute. He's just, he's just walking around. He's got like, he's, he, he has an interdimensional tummy ache and he's just like, my naster. My naster. You freaking puke up a Learjet and see how you feel. I do also like the fact that he like only pukes up like four volumes of an encyclopedia. Like the yeah. others are still. Where's it all coming from? Is someone walking through their house like, what the hell happened to PQ and R? <laughs> a guy goes like up the, the stairs to the jet and is just like. And suddenly. Uh... <laughs> 
Trump's trudging up the steps with the, his hair blowing in the wind and like the toilet paper hanging off his shoe and, and the plane's not even there. Fake news. <laughs> it wasn't a real plane. They took away my Okay, plane. guys. So... <laughs> Not it was classy. a total plane witch hunt, okay? There was never a plane. There was never a plane. <laughs> but we saw it a second ago. Fake, fake plane. Fake plane. Okay, guys? <laughs> they just wanted me to fall. No collusion, plane. no plane. I've been watching a lot of Colbert making fun of Trump. That was, that was a very Colbert's Trump voice you were doing. Cool, because I, I don't actually ever, like, whenever Trump actually speaks, like, I just go deaf. My impression that I end up doing is always Adam, uh, Adam, Alec Baldwin's impression mm. of him. So it's like, yeah, yeah. I do it. But it was a fake plane. <laughs> okay, so, temporospatial claudications. Boy, I had to think that really carefully when I was reading it. Like, hmm, clitoris. <laughs> Temperamental Santa Claus, got it. Temperamental Santa Claus, clitoris. <laughs> How many times have we said Ho, ho, ho. And oh. That's his hoe face. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Uh, Temporospatial claudications, use, and abuse. Or abuse. Abuse. He just drummed his tummy. Yeah, my drummy. Nina and Kit go about gathering supplies for the Grand Central World Gate spell. One of the items needed is a wand made from rowan wood that has been given freely by the tree. So Nita speaks with the tree in her yard. It gives her some perspective on the history of magic and how the... I I read the quote that when she initially hears about it, the, the, the War of the Trees or whatever it's called. So anyways, what happened was the trees fought to make Earth a safe place for humans to one day inhabit, uh, even knowing that eventually humans would then take advantage of the trees, cut them down and all that. This tree looks like it'd make a good house. Right. Uh, The tree misses when Nita used to play in its branches and how they used to talk with the speech, which children inherently understand until they grow older. Uh, It gives Nita a branch and tells her to let it soak in the moonlight overnight to gain additional power. The next day, the three heroes take the train to Manhattan, but when they arrive at Grand Central, they find that the World Gate has relocated, specifically about 70 stories up in the sky. Nita has the great idea to head to the helipad of the nearby Pan Am Tower, then alter her and Kit's aura shield spell uh, to harden the air outside of it enough to walk out to the world gate. They head up the tower, and Fred produces a cactus to distract the guards. Just before reaching the helipad, the young wizards set their time slide, which is the block of time that they they got a coupon for. And basically, I, I was still confused on to what... Basically, what happens is... You set when 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 you reach the the time, so it was like ten forty five to ten forty seven or something. When you get to ten forty five, you activate the spell, and then you go out and do whatever it is you want to do, and time will work as normally. Then you return to that spot, and do the the closing spell, and it will bring you back to that point at the end of the time window, so like ten forty seven. And then whatever you did will still happen in your timeline, but you won't have to, you won't be there doing it. So basically what they're using it for is that they can be home in time for dinner uh, without their parents being like, where the heck were you? And why did crazy things happen in New York? So that's what they're going to end up using it for. Um, Because I didn't understand when it was first being explained. No, me neither. I was like, I don't get it. Okay. (laughs) And then it wasn't until the end of the book I went, oh. Yeah. (laughs) Um, 
Kind of time turnery. Yes, yeah. Hermione's time turner is totally what this is. Yeah. There was even this bit, yeah, there was like there, a there, part. Later yeah. on, there's a very... very prisoner of Azkaban moment. <laughs> <laughs> Just before we reached the helipad, the young wizards set their time slide, which will bring them back to that spot uh, once they've done what they need to do. Suddenly, they hear a loud bang from outside the helipad door, but find no source. Uh, they wait a minute and then go out into the helipad, and Nita creates the bridge of hardened air to the world gate. She and Kit walk out to it and are, and are in the process of retrieving the pen from the gate uh, when a pack of wolf-like once-human creatures called Peritons appear from the building and advance on them. In panic, Nita stops her retrieval spell partway and she, Kit, and Fred leap into the world gate. And this is about where the story lost me. I liked nerding out in a library. I liked first discovering magic and having it have all these like specific processes and stuff i liked the idea of using it to like gain confidence for the bullies and stuff and then all of a sudden there are these wolf monsters attacking and they're jumping into like a portal to a different dimension and then i was kind of like this is a little too far too fast for me and it doesn't really get me back afterwards i was like this is a lot to go through for a pen like i feel like kit should have brought that up more than once right like a real kid would be like i hope your pen's worth it but, uh, yeah, so, uh, didn't the gate move because there's guys, like, jackhammering yes. across yes, the street? Yes, there's construction going on, which, of course there is. which <laughs> alters the time space right next to the gate. And so the gate's like, whoop, gotta move. Well, like, one of the kids, I think, I forget which one it was, was like, well, why are they doing all this construction on Saturday? <laughs> this is on the Saturday, so it feels like they were set up, which Kit, like, surmises later. Kit gets the growing feeling that none of this is just kind of an accident. Um, that they're going through all of this stuff. I want to go back and uh, mention that I do actually, I really enjoy when she is sitting and talking with the Rowan tree. I liked the, I like, like that part I too. like the, the, like, calm, wise Uncle Iroh-y. That's kind of, of how I want to picture a tree sounding. So it's unfortunate that when we first find out that trees can talk, it's that crab apple <laughs> that's bitching and moaning about, you're touching the leaves! We spend a lot of time making the art, and then you come along and you wreck it. You got no respect, kids these days. I swear to God. Does New um, York make it sound like that? <laughs> I think they live on Long Island, don't they? Yes. Yeah. I don't. I don't recall exactly, but that sounds vague. I think. I think that's where you would find the kind of. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's Long Island. There aren't enough his- hipsters for this to be Brooklyn. Are there hipsters in Brooklyn yet? They're all over the place now. This was before when hipsters were cool. You wouldn't know. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, so they're heading when they're heading to the gate. Kit mentions uh, that he has everything ready and that the spells are all set except for one or two syllables, like dialing almost all of the phone number. And I find that really interesting—the fact that you can like preload magic and then you just have to like finalize it. That's a pretty good idea, especially if like you're in a hurry. Yeah, because some of these take a long time to set up. So yeah. I like the idea that if you know you're going to need to cast a spell, you just set it up in the morning and then you just trigger it. Yeah. That's pretty cool. That is pretty cool. All right. And this chapter features my third of three big predictions. I need to find like a prediction did sound effect. Did just growl? Yeah, it did. Maybe that's my prediction sound effect. Do you need to eat your snack? <laughs> Not yet. All right. Prediction number three in regards to when they are at the helipad. When they hear the loud sound banging... Uh, my prediction is the kids cause the sound during their time slide. And that is my third prediction. So later on, we will see how many of my predictions shook out. I figured it was those, um, mutations hanging. These things sound like the mutations. Mutations, yeah. From, again, Hunger Games. Yeah. But this, uh, this predates Hunger Games by quite a bit. 
Um, so when they describe the world gate up in the air, and it's kind of like this slit, I, <laughs> I wrote the sky vagina, and then I couldn't decide if I preferred the vaskina or the skygina. sexual anatomy that we keep discussing in this episode. Okay. Our hero vagina. <laughs> Vaginita. Vanita. But I wrote I wrote at the end of this chapter, I wrote the Peritons might be where this book loses me, and I was correct that as soon as they popped out of the, the thing it's like, there are these wolf creatures attacking us. I was like, eh, eh, I don't like that turn. Where did they come from? Where did they go? Where did they go from Cotton Eye Joe? I had to dance to that on a stage in elementary school. We did some Were you school. all dressed like hillbillies? Yeah. Were you wearing overalls? Probably. Were you barefoot? Probably. What was the context for this? Bad idea theater? We would do, I think what, what happened is we would do plays and then we would insert musical numbers to break it up. So we were doing some sort of, like, pioneer play. And then we were like, you know what goes great with that? Freaking Cotton Eye Joe. <laughs> Cotton Eye Joe is like an Appalachian kind of song. Yeah. And then, like, Pioneers is, like, westward expansion. So it's not even correct. I know. <laughs> uh, there is was anyone a... going to correct me on my pronunciation? Other people say it's Appalachian, but I think that sounds stupid. You're, feel free to tell me that my Appalachian pronunciation please, sounds stupid. Please, everybody, contact us at hfkpodcast.gmail.com. How do you pronounce that? I mean, there. I can't pronounce the Adirondack. Adirondack? Yeah, that's a hard one for me. I have to think about it. Because I have to. I just break it up into like other words. I go add iron deck. Got it. <laughs> and I'm like, that's. What can't I say? I did not know until uh, Lizelle was telling me on her way out uh, how to pronounce. Uh, Tagalog, the oh. language, because I had only ever seen it written out, and so I just Tagalog? went... Tagalog? Right, because I was just like, I don't know their, like, vowel rules or, or uh, enunciations. Yeah. Right, right. So I was like, oh, okay. Good to know. <laughs> <laughs> Makes sense. But yeah, I, I'm trying to figure out why as soon as they came, the, the Peritons came out that I was like, eh. I think it's... Had we even established what those were? So they kind of came out of yeah, nowhere. Yeah, no, we hadn't. So you're kind of like... Well, wait, what? Right, the only the only well, magic we've reaction. seen is the fact that they can talk to things that already exist. We hadn't did really seen any Did you mention that Kit like talked creature. to the train? I did not mention that specifically. Kit can talk to transportation yeah. Cre- creatures. Yeah, he's he's yeah he's really good at any of any of the inorganic matter. He has a much easier time with, and that includes that includes complex machinery, um, which kind of compensates for that. That Nita can talk to complex organisms as well, um, and so they're 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 a good match that way. Has he? Revealed his wand yet? By this point, oh, <laughs> oh my gosh, I wasn't even going with that one. <laughs> Anyways, so if it's a we, car antenna, he has a car antenna for his wand, and then Nita has the branch for her wand. Is kind of reflections of that. Like I thought the, that was kind of cool. Yeah, no, it's like perfect embodiments of what their two strengths are. Yeah. Oh, he's got question face. Well, so okay, so they go to the world gate because they need to get the pen out from basically the other side of Fred, right? Because Fred f- swallowed it and put it into like a pocket of his own like thing, right? Yeah, I guess. Does that mean that they're reaching into Fred? And if so, how the heck does Fred get inside Fred? Wibbly wobbly tiny wimey. <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> Peter Capaldi walked by me at Comic Con on a day when he wasn't even supposed to be at Comic Con. I can tell you don't like Doctor Who's. So I'm not gonna talk to you. <laughs> He's walking, and you're like. 
Exocontinual Protocols is the next chapter. <laughs> Ew. Ow. Did I you heard... did you pull? Yeah. I'm old. All this balls. Oh, oh wow, that's tight. Ow. Oh. Ah, my neck. Should I cut that? Yeah, you really <laughs> should. <laughs> They're like, what happened that last episode? We're like, nothing! (laughs) (laughs) Nothing. This is not a visual medium, so you'll never know. All you talked about was vaginas, and then there was disturbing sounds. Ah, I'm sorry, my shoulders and my neck have been really stiff ever since uh, Comic-Con, because I, like, carried around all the books in, like, my backpack. Your neck, your back? Oh my gosh! (laughs) Wow, what is going on? Alright, anyway. Are you a little sick? Because I feel like I might be a little sick and maybe we just have, like, sick brain and I just... Sure, that's it. <laughs> Exocontinual protocols. Yes. Uh, no, we, we have... We have, uh, we have indifferent book syndrome. Yeah. The group wakes up at the helipad, but something is off. The world is dark and strange, even though it is mostly familiar. In fact, this version of Manhattan seems very similar to the one the kids saw during their first spell together. Nina finds her pen, which I suppose balances out the fact that she then gets attacked by a helicopter. Yeah. Actually, it's some sort of giant insect copter, which Nina and Kit eventually kill using their respective wands. They find a nest of baby mantis copters and decide they should really get moving before they try casting a tracking spell on the world gate, because they have no idea what else that will attract. Uh, when they get far enough away and cast their spell, Nina again sees the two points of pulsating light, which reveal themselves to be both the Book of Night with Moon and the book which is not to be spoken of ever again. Uh, <laughs> the Sanderson Sisters spell book. Book! <laughs> he I who wish. must not be booked. Um, <laughs> the kids realize then the scope of their situation. Something wanted them to arrive here to retrieve the Book of Naming with Moon and in, or Book of Night with Moon. And in doing so, they will incur the wrath of the Lone Power, the Witherer, the Star Snuffer, whatever you want to call him. I think, yeah, I think I mostly call him the Witherer in this. I always kept calling him Star Snuffer because I liked that. That's what Fred. I yeah. liked it. Star Snuffer. Star Snuffer. <laughs> you, you're no good pig stealing great great grandfather. Holes. I didn't. I didn't read or see it. Uh, anyways, if they retrieve the book, they will incur the wrath of the Lone Power, the creator of death and entropy. Knowing that the books are linked, they head towards the nearer one, the dark book, and hopes that uh, it will guide them to its counterpart. That's it? Effectively. I mean, there's a lot of stuff about, like, like they fight the mantis copters for, like, ten pages, but I felt like I didn't need to explain the specifics of that. I was like, oh, this, this is weird, and I was, like, thrown by the helicopter thing. I was like, wait, what? It's just attacking them? And yeah. Like, there's no one in it? It's just, like, sentient thing just attacking them? Yeah. And then I was just like, I was just like disturbed, like I was just kind of confused by that. And it didn't become disturbing until they're walking down the street and they see a pigeon, like, oh hey look, there's a pigeon, huh? It startled us. And then this nearby uh, fire hydrant sprouts his tongue and goes, oh, and then yeah. eats the pigeon. And I was like, okay, that was kind of scary. <laughs> I don't like that. And the kids are just like, what the f, man? And they keep finding like dog bones everywhere. And they're yeah. like, this is super upsetting. I really don't want to be here. And, like, Fred's just like, I can't feel the sun. And he yeah. just kind of diminishes a little bit. And yeah, like, they even mention it. I do like this line. The sky was empty, just a featureless grayness hanging too low like a ceiling. And I like that idea of, like, there's a cap on this place. 
Um, Lots of every, gap in your waist. Everything feels kind of claustrophobic because of how low that darkness hangs. I bet you could probably rent an apartment here for pretty cheap, though. I mean, at this point, I would totally consider it. <laughs> it's ridiculous. I have to take the world gate to work every day. <laughs> <laughs> then I just fall 70 stories and I'm right there. Easy crazy. <laughs> <laughs> bada boom, bada bing. Am I right or am I right? Where the hell is this happening? Uh, I think it's worth mentioning just because I think that... Uh, the visual is pretty cool. When they're fighting the attack helicopter that somebody identifies as. I identify as an attack helicopter. <laughs> yeah. That is my preferred. <laughs> Sorry, everybody. I, I didn't mean my preferred, that. My preferred pronoun is. We have complete respect for actual preferred pronouns. Um, right. Yeah, we're just being stupid. Uh, we're, we're just I'm doing I'm not making the... fun of those people who are like, I'm really a dragon inside. It's, it's, those people. it's the, it's, yeah, it's. Okay, so when they're fighting the attack helicopter mantis locust thing, uh, he uh, Kit is basically like shooting little fireballs out of his antenna, like flip, 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 and then yeah. uh, Nita has like a she has like a, a vine whip sort of thing that she's using. It's like a moonlight whip. I think that's pretty cool. Crack that whip, <laughs> break your mama's hip. Also, uh, when they're crossing the road, uh, Kit's hit by a car, is hit, hit by a cab. Yeah, but Fred takes most of the impact. Yeah. That, that's important later. Yes, you're right. Yeah. Well, I was just like, that, there's more in this chapter. Sir. Yeah. Sir. Excuse me, sir. It, it was one of those things where I didn't consider it important, and then when I saw later in, in a follow-up chapter that it yeah. was, I forgot to go back and I, I've had lots of recaps where that's happened to me. So yeah. That's why there's two people, <laughs> not just the one. <laughs> if it was just one, we could make up whatever the book was about. Yeah. <laughs> well, be... You're not going to fucking read it. <laughs> Um, okay, so here's here's another issue that I had, and it didn't really become apparent until this chapter, is like, so it starts with this small story about kids learning magic to stop bullies. Mm-hmm. And now it's this huge story about battling the uh, the creator of all entropy in the universe, and there is no real growth between those. It just is one, and then all of a sudden it is the other. There's no bridge between those. It's just, it's very small, and then it's very large all at once, and I don't like that. There isn't five months of school in between before we see Voldemort. Well, okay, yeah, but even with he that... He attacks in May! Even with that, he's not immediately like, I have almost taken over the world. He's like, I'm working to slowly regain power. It's, like, proportional. Like, the the stakes raise in, in like, a, a logical manner over time. This one is like, there's nothing, and then all of a sudden there's everything. But the two stories don't feel very connected. But they're children, and they made it through all those the tests that were supposed to completely befuddle a gr- full-grown wizards, but these children took one year of school and I was like, I totally know what to do and do. You gonna tell me that's believable? Bullshit. <laughs> I'm not saying it's believable. It's very entertaining. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just trying to help out Diane Duane here. Diane Duane, Diane Duane. Come on, come on now, touch me, man. What the right? hell? That, right? That's the song? What is that? That's a song. Which one? The one that goes da 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 da. In the jungle, the mighty. No. Okay. Fine. Let me look it up now. Jeez, Louise. Yeah, we have time for this. We didn't drag this book out even further, and didn't even really enjoy it the first time. It's the doors touch me. It totally starts with "Come on, come on, come on, come on now, touch me, babe. Can't you see that I am not afraid?" But then I went, Diane Duane, Diane Duane. This is a really long explanation for a really dumb joke. Entropix! Detection and avoidance! A.K.A. Chapter 5. Nita feels like her pen has changed somehow. 
And when she tests it, she discovers its ink now has some sort of sneezy quality. Sorry. Uh, she discovers... <laughs> Sorry, man. Do you want me to dribble snot everywhere? I can do it. No, I was doing that earlier. I was a little dribbly droobly. A dribbly droobly droobly. <laughs> Come on, touch me, man. <laughs> she discovers the ink now has some sort of luminescent quality. As they continue through Manhattan, the group encounters a living car, a Lotus Esprit? I did not look up what this car looks like. I don't know cars. Uh, me neither. It, it probably looks good for the 80s. I wish it was a DeLorean. God, I wish it had been a DeLorean. Wait, it was just 83. DeLoreans weren't around yet. Proceed. Well, I mean, yeah, they were because they brought him back from... I think it was 85. Yeah, but then he brings it back. The whole story is about going back in time. <clears throat> they encounter a Lotus Esprit, which seems to be a predator of other machines. It's injured, though, and Kit helps it, after which it runs off. Well, drives. The group continues until Fred announces they've reached the center of the darkness, which is a tall, imposing skyscraper on 52nd Street. I meant to go look at a map of Manhattan and figure out approximately where the, this was, because she keeps talking about, like, actual street names and stuff. It's obvious she really likes Manhattan. She um, probably lives there. Yeah, but I'm, like, talking about, like, the, um, there's some stuff with the subway tunnels uh, in a little bit, and it's obvious that oh, she yeah, finds it really... Oh, they kind of wax poetic she about find, it She finds times. it really engaging, and yeah. I, I, like, that's cool. Because um, I mostly ever hear like, oh, what a dirty, gross Yeah. Me. Especially at this time, because this is pre-Giuliani, and he cleaned that place up right? really good. Cause these kids didn't go to Times Square, that's for effing sure. That that was still porno theaters at this time. Right. <laughs> TRL hadn't moved in quite yet. <laughs> they, they enter the building and encounter a strange tentacled creature acting as some sort of secretary in a large office. The office is lined with books. I thought that thing was funny. The office is lined with books that seem to be manuals on the creation of entire universes. They head deeper into the office and overhear the man who must be the witherer, young, handsome, and well-dressed. He is on the phone with someone named Michael, dis discussing the capital <laughs> T them and how the witherer has no interest in sticking to their rules, wanting instead to create a universe of his own for which he was cast out. He also mentions that the bright book is being kept by something called the eldest. While they listen, the kids find the dark book and they all escape quickly, heading towards Central Park. Did you pick up on anything here that this might be referencing um i did what well i remember i was thinking like when kit helping the car reminded me of the lion and the mouse and the mouse takes the oh the, 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 the paw. paw yeah yeah, mm -hmm. yeah okay but nothing with the office this is reading did dwight do something this is no not that <laughs> <laughs> the british one okay <laughs> didn't see his face <laughs> no this he genuinely looked like he just whack me. Okay, I read very biblical into this. Oh, okay. This is a this is a power like a very powerful entity that was cast out oh, by yeah, going Lucifer. against right yeah. and then talking to Michael like I was thinking like the oh, archangel Michael yeah, okay. on the other side of like he's cast out but then he's talking to the other the to to the other entities and stuff and then there's the whole thing about the the bright book and like maybe being like the word of God sort of a thing. I it doesn't. At no point into this does it actually cross to where I think it's supposed to be a religious parable or anything, but I was totally picking up on, if not making it a an allusion to uh, an Christianity. Allusion, Michael. <laughs> if not doing that, at least using some of the, like, because there are a lot of, there are a lot of story elements of the Bible that have just been used for right. thousands of years. Um, but I was totally picking up that. And the fact that he's like, attractive in a suit and stuff that's a common way to like to do a modern depiction of the devil is to make him appealing i, I wrote in my notes is 
a thirty year old ginger in a suit. <laughs> he's got red yeah, hair. Yeah, he's got he's he's got like fiery and, red hair. And red hair is often associated with I'm telling you witchcraft I, and devil I, I think this was a, a very intentional like Yeah, I think so too. Um, what, so, so what does the little warty green secretary represent? Uh, I just love it sitting there typing. <laughs> it's just typing with like, its little what tentacles. Are you typing? <laughs> like what? What business? Yeah, it's is got like this? it's got like a, a dictaphone who's, equipment. Who's he writing to? Uh, <laughs> it's just weird. Acanth. Acanth. <laughs> that sounds like accents. Got some weird acanth there. <laughs> yeah, it's a it's a family name. What? Also, the the uh, Perrytons are waiting for them in the lobby. Yeah. So Fred drops a ton of bricks down as a distraction. Right. That's okay. So I got my actually, Easter. I kind of got frustrated with this after a while. Is that Fred only exists for most of this story to cause distractions? Well, like he's just he just kind of follows them around. They're like, "Hey, Fred, need a distraction?" He's like, "I'm on it." Well, I mean, like if you had a Naster as good as his, my Naster brings. <laughs> Brings all the bricks to the yard, and they're like, what? <laughs> Yeah, it, it, I wrote Fred the Perpetual Diversion, and then it happens like four more times. Yeah. Anything else to add? I think that's all I got. It was a, I only did a full page for that one. Not much happened in yeah. that one. It was mostly them kind of eavesdropping on the dude and waiting to get the book. Yeah. And the book is not a nice book. It like It's like stingy and bitey and like bernie right it's like the book of monsters <laughs> the monster book of monsters yeah monster book of monsters but um this came first i keep having to iterate that because she's not derivative everyone's derivative of her <laughs> yeah because we keep comparing it to other media but yeah. like she came first yeah i mean not for a wrinkle in time but most of the other stuff that we've mentioned yeah oh yeah wrinkle um, in time. but i mean like that's that's more of a um contemporary yeah. almost but that's like what most like writers do is you find things that you like about other things and you just try to put them together in a way that feels like enough like your own. Fable um, Safe Place by Josh. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a it's a it's a it's a problem when you get to the point where it feels like your story all you did was uh, you know, change the names of a couple of characters and put in like self-inserts and stuff like that but if you're just like that's a really cool idea i'm gonna put my own spin on it and put it in my store everyone's doing that yeah you know yeah and i'm not accusing anyone else of right but i would her. i would be interested to read some young adult fantasy from or even maybe just some fantasy fantasy from before this and see if she got any inspiration from those others she has a, another series that's about kitty wizards but i remember trying to read that like 10 years ago being like ah this it's technically written well, but I'm just not engaged okay, with it. So, so, so even a decade ago, you had the same opinion. Mm-hmm. <laughs> technically proficient. Acthan. Contractual magic and introduction. Nita and Kit cast another location spell using the Dark Book and find that the Book of Naming the I keep saying that the Book of Night with Moon is just say Good Night Moon, <laughs> and the other ones go the f to sleep. <laughs> um. That the book is south towards Manhattan's financial district. On the long way there, they are attacked by a pack of taxicab beasts, uh, which is led by, right, it's led by the one that hit him. Yeah, it's what, uh, you can still see kids' blood on it. Yeah. So you're just like, oh, snap, yeah. a taste of blood once yeah. more. So he's, he's come back around <laughs> and brought some buddies, uh, kind of like Joanne with her buddies. Right. Uh, or kids, um, like, invisible bullies that we never see. Yeah, we never see them. We just take for granted that he's bullied. Uh, but they are rescued by their new friend, the Lois Esprit. It's probably like a Spreet or 
Espry or something. Esprit. Yeah, we don't know cars, so... Once the Lotus has conquered the pack, it offers the group a ride. Seeing the subway en- entrances are heavily guarded, the Lotus takes the group to an emergency exit where Nita, Kit, and Fred enter. They make their way through the subway, and using a Mason's Word spell, they go through a wall and wind up in an abandoned station, which is really cool. I've always been really interested in how they do the Manhattan subways of, like, if a station is no longer in use, they just board it up, or they'll just, you'll still, like, go past it on the train, and you'll just see it sitting there for, like, 30, 40 years, and it's just so interesting. And they interesting. The people from tunnels while they're there. <laughs> um, they wouldn't do that, because people in tunnels yeah. are in London. <laughs> so, uh... They wind up in an abandoned station, and sitting in that station atop a mountain of treasure is Smaug. Yep. Just kidding, it's Eldest, the sequel to Aragon. That's what I kept thinking of. Yeah, when the, said, the red dragon. When he, when he said, like, the, the Eldest, I go, oh, it's a dragon. And then I get to the, they're like, oh, it's a dragon. I was like, what, you didn't know that? Uh, this red dragon is paranoid of its horde and also sadly forgetful. Oh, I know, I was so depressed. Yeah, I felt bad for Eldest. Yeah. The kids offer to trade the Dark Book for the Bright One, figuring as long as their wizard superiors are in control of the Bright Book, they can counteract whatever the Witherer may do uh, if he goes back to the Eldest and takes the Dark Book. They sweeten the deal by casting a Mobius spell using a blank check, uh, which is sort of a magic way where you, uh, you cast it now and you pay some sort of ambiguous fee later. And that spell moves the Eldest layer just off the rest of the dimension, uh, so it'll be much harder for anybody to actually get there and steal from him. Yeah, poor thing. But the spell causes rumblings in the subway, and the heroes rush topside. I felt bad at this part where the kids, like, they hunker down in Central Park to do the spell, and all the trees there are, like, suppressed and can't speak, but they, like, sense the magic happening. Or like, yeah. Oh, magic! Yeah, oh. this is definitely a world that is... It's way more about the what would traditionally be inorganic. Yeah, and I was just like, what a poor trees. Yeah, but yeah, I've always liked the the idea of the subways, and it's it's because it's different from topside construction, where it's like, it's not like you can just demolish a platform and build something new there because it's like it's a hole you've carved out of the underground, so it's it doesn't make as much sense to go in and bother to do anything with. It's far more efficient to just let them be. Yeah, but he's so sad because he's like, he's telling them what all he has in his collection. He keeps getting the numbers wrong and getting confused about what he has. And it, I, it's so sad. And then, then he finds the book. was like, wait, this is pretty. I don't want you to yeah. have it. And then they're like, well, we can give you, we can make sure no one else finds you. And we can trade books. And he's like, well, I really don't want anyone else to find me. So I guess. So. Yeah. But it's like, oh, well, you let it go. And then you'll forget it was ever there. So when they get the book, they flip through it, and it looks like it's empty, but uh, it needs moonlight. Which, does that mean that the dark one needs sunlight? Mm-hmm. That's another reason why they need to make sure they go topside, because they can't utilize it until they have moonlight uh, beating down on it. All right, we're getting close to the end. Yeah. We only have two chapters left already, guys. Yeah. It sure seems strange that there are only two chapters left. Major Wizardries, Termination and Recovery. Nita, Kit, and Fred reconvene with the Lotus, who has killed many cars while they were gone. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, wow, okay, you kept busy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Nita casts a locating spell for the World Gate, and the Bright Book basically does the entire spell for her, a testament to its power. It can basically, it makes any spell you cast while it's in your possession a lot easier and a lot more powerful, which is important for a little bit later on. They return to Grand Central, where the Witherer awaits on his nightmarish eight-legged steed. He easily crushes the lotus. 
Sad face. Yeah. Then pursues the kids through the tunnels, bearing down with his powers of darkness. The kids locate the gate, which Kit activates, and they rush through. The Witherer follows and begins forcing his dark will all over New York. The kids run to Central Park and begin calling on the trees and rocks to buy them time. In response, the Witherer snuffs out the sun, leaving them with only a few minutes of moonlight to use the Bright Book before uh, it runs out of... It's like eight minutes to get from the light to the moon. Yeah, yeah. So they got eight minutes to play with. Uh, Kit calls the entire city to life, describing it so as to keep it real in the face of the Wither's entropy. This is just a bandage, though, and not a solution. Uh, They need to actually take him down. And so as the moon goes dark, Fred creates one final diversion, releasing all his energy at once, blowing his quanta in a flash of brilliance that illuminates the moon long enough for Nita to read the Wither's true name from the Bright Book. She uses her magic pen to change the last syllable, allowing him the opportunity to become something else someday. And with Kit's help, they banish him. As the sun reignites and the authorities come to see why Central Park has been destroyed, the kids return to their time slide atop the Pan Am building. The Bright Book makes it work too well, however, and they arrive before they even set up the spell. To prevent a loop, uh, Nita throws the lithium battery from her spell at the roof door, which was what created the loud sound that scared them from opening the door right away when they first arrived. I'm one for three so far. They wait until their past selves are safely out of sight and then head down the tower and back home. This is another thing where I was like, I feel like if you turn off the sun, that's going to have far more repercussions than just making it a little darky do. Um, It'd get really cold. Like, yeah, because they're talking about like, it's not going to be long until things start freezing. I'm like, yeah, but there would be like immediate consequences. That would be like, you couldn't undo them. And normally if it was like, if we were talking like really big magic fantasy stuff, I wouldn't care. But the fact that they align the magic so much with the science, I'm a little bit more critical of that. I do like that, uh, I think it's Kit, uses the the intentionally mixed phrase, we'll burn that bridge when we come to it. Because they're talking about, uh, you know, who isn't going to just let us walk in there and leave with the bright book. Well, how about like when he, when, when like Kit calls out for like, the help and then all the statues come and they're fighting? That made me think of, like, Night at the Museum. <laughs> <laughs> Plus, I've seen, I think I've seen that Teddy Roosevelt, like, statue in, yeah. in real life. I, I, uh, the only one that I tried to find was the, uh, Alice in oh, Wonderland. Oh, and they got the, um, and even, the, like, the, the, the library lions. Yeah, game. they get the library lions and they get the, uh. I like the library, do the library lions have names? I meant to go They do have up. names, but I don't recall what they are. But it says, it says the ugly duckling, but I thought they had to make way for ducklings. I thought that was the statue there. Maybe they changed the name because it's like, oh, that's kind of. But then they would have to add a bunch nice. more ducklings. Yeah, so I liked I like the statues fighting, and like like she calls for the trees for help, and the trees like circle around them. Yeah, as like a barrier. So before this all started, they had a little bit of time to like they looked at the the when they were like studying the books and stuff. So they know a few things about magic besides what we see them actually do in terms of like the spells and stuff. But the way they say it is just kind of like offhanded, like. At one point, in order to cross this, like, there's, like, a hole in one of the buildings. And so Kit creates, a basically, a giant sword blade and uses it as, like, a bridge. A bridge, yeah. And he says, uh, come on, Nina, it's Nita, it's Noonforged Steel. He can't cross it. He'll have to change shape or seal this hole up. And that's, Noonforged Steel is not a phrase that was ever mentioned anywhere in this. And it's kind of like mm-hmm. the Puritans where it's, like, it's just kind of mentioned as, like, oh, you should know this. And it's, like... Yeah. Either because we're at least one generation removed, we don't have the same, like, common language for fantasy, or I would have liked it to be at least referenced as, like, it was something that they learned about. Even when it was just, like, listing the, like, the questions asked the pig and all of that, like, just 
it feels a little deus ex-y when they just stick it in there as like, oh, it's a thing that he can't cross. And it's like, well, yeah, but you never said that there was going to be a thing he couldn't cross. Well, I was just like, who, who is he? Like the headless horseman who can't get, go across that particular bridge? Right? <laughs> is this... Is this a vampire who can't cross running water? Like, what the what the hell is this? We need rice. Uh... <laughs> we need rice. Okay, we bury him at a crossroads, right? <laughs> While Kit was, like, summoning everything, it was cool, but I also started to glaze over because it's just, like, big blocky paragraphs of description mm-hmm. of all the things that are going on. Just, it's like He's just reading. Right, and right. it's, it's also like, the okay. fact that... It's also the fact that uh, Diane Duane... Diane Duane, Diane Duane is uh, really into, like I said before, she's really into New York. So she's talking about all the statues that she recognizes, all of the different, like, she, getting into the minutia of Central Park. But she didn't rein it in. And so it's literally, hold on, where does he start invoking New York? Uh, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight pages or so of just, like, kind of listing all the things that are happening that he's, like, making happen in New York. And I was like, this is too much. I'm like, need to take the book from him. <laughs> yeah do what really needs to be done read about this guy in the movie i think he should be played by tom hiddleston who the bad guy or kit bad guy or, or fred bad guy okay yeah i could see that he's has naturally kind of like gingerish hair so he could do this without having to dye his hair black and it always looks so bad on him <laughs> so these kids that have been doing magic for like a few you know, a few weeks they get this book that lets them bring the entire city to life, and then uh, it they... is stated earlier that um, young wizards are the strongest. It is. It is stated that so. um, they're the yeah. So they're the most powerful, but you you compensate by having the least amount of like understanding and, and yeah and, and control and all of that. So it kind of balances out. And they are the two um, the two most recent in that right in that. Place, but I so. I still just feel like the the story and the. Uh, Stakes got too big too quick for me. But yeah, so they have this whole thing. The darkness is coming. The darkness is coming. The The sun is off. They read for like 20 pages and then Fred explodes and it's sad. Yeah. Um, he was my favorite character. And then they run off and don't want to have to talk to the police and stuff. So they <laughs> run back to the time slide. And uh, this is the this is the Prisoner of Azkaban moment. Yes. Where Throwing the rocks yeah. at Hermione. Yep. Because <laughs> she's like, oh crap, we're coming. We're coming up those stairs. And she just throws the battery at the door, which is what made them freak out and, like, hesitate to go out, which gave them enough time to hide. So, there's your little, uh, 20 years later, that's what, uh, one of the things J.K. Rowling plucked and implemented. Yeah. And then, uh, we have Time Heart, which is, reads way more like an epilogue than the prologue did a prologue. Right, yeah. Oh, Time Heart. Returning home, Nita and Kit go their separate ways. Nita encounters Joanne, and instead of being angry or afraid, she invites Joanne to dinner, which goes about as well as you would expect. <laughs> that night, Nita sits outside with the rowan tree and watches as the moon blinks out and a new star forms, the effects of the battle they engaged in during their time slide adventure. That night, Nita and Kit meet in the dreamscape called the Time Heart, which is basically heaven with Lear jets. It's where all good things that have been loved are preserved for eternity. The Lotus and Fred are there. Fred tells the kids that the powers capital P powers, want to relocate the Bright Book, but also that even if they don't, the Witherer is different now. There may come a time when death and chaos are not dark, awful, scary things, but a bright part of this crazy thing called life. Then Nita's sister, Doreen, wakes her and calls Kit her boyfriend, the end, and that's not an ending. Okay, so when I said that I wanted to come back to the first chapter, there are a lot of things that are introduced, like her whole family dynamic just 
never gets touched on ever again. Like her, we never talk to her dad again. We never talk to her mom again. We never talk to the librarian again. The sister is only there to wake her up. There's not really like this conclusion is kind of an anti-conclusion because the idea is that there's going to be a sequel, but it doesn't read as a strong standalone because if you're just like, okay, that's the end of all of their adventures forever. You'd be like, what? Yeah. Do, okay. But the they, they've given the book to be kept in time heart. That's important. Yes. And then she um, wakes up and the pill in the and it's not under her pillow anymore. Yes. Turns out she ate it. But I just, those dreams. I just felt like it was a really like, it, it felt very much like an, a non-ending to me. We don't go back and see Carl and Tom. Tom. We don't see them again. It just felt like there were a lot of things that never got brought back around for the sake of making this book just by itself feel tight and coherent. And so I didn't like that. I mean, I didn't really like it anyway, so. Like I said, I really was actually on board for the first maybe 100, 120 pages, and then it lost me, and then it managed to lose me even more by the end. For competency in the first portion of it, I gave it like a, like a two and a half out of five. But that's it, and I didn't even really bother to look up any spoilers for the rest of the series, because I just kind of... I, I didn't care. I really didn't care. Yeah. Yeah, I, I mean, I gave it three just because it was well-written. Yeah. And I just, but I just couldn't bring myself Yeah, it's kind of, it's kind lot. of like, what you said earlier makes a lot of sense, like the idea of you could imagine her like being a writing teacher, where it's like, yes. have you ever met somebody who's like a, like when I took my English courses, when I will take my English courses, I had instructors that had written things, but it was like, uh, yeah, they were technically proficient enough to write something and get it published, but obviously it didn't strike a chord with a lot of people, or they probably would be, be teaching <laughs> right or if they were teaching it'd be known as the author of this is doing a seminar sort of a thing yeah, you know that would yeah. be their primary focus and so it definitely feels like somebody who is a good writer but just is really really doesn't have or just doesn't implement the bit that makes you really get sucked in you, like i said you can't teach that yeah you can't teach people to care about what you're yeah writing. Yeah, that's just a combination of you have the right ideas and you have that thing already in you. And I think to a degree you can, like, bring it out of yourself better, like, the more that you work on it. But it's definitely not something that you can be like, go to this three-week course and we'll tell you how to write yeah. something people care about. <laughs> it's it's definitely a, it's a different skill set entirely from the just purely technical writing portion. So, that's where we're at. That was So You Want to Wizard a Wizard. What the heck are we going to read next? Because, we well, we've done a lot of fantasy, so it'll be good to go back to, um... Okay. Like, so realistic fiction. We'll say that episode 18, assuming all of this goes right, assuming everything sticks to this crazy plan I've written on this little sheet of paper... Nope, it's going to be 17. Uh, we're going to be revisiting the Penderwicks with... What's the sequel called? The Penderwicks on Gardam Street. Yes. And so we're going to be going and hanging out with them because even though it wasn't necessarily my favorite book it was a really pleasant sort of summary reading it's gonna be with sky and batty and jane and, and the old the mom, mom. <laughs> yeah. what's her name mom jr wrote rosalie wrote was that it rosalind so that's what we're going to be doing next as far as episodes go in real life behind the scenes we have a lot of other things we need to take care of yeah uh that being said, Hello Fellow Kids is hosted by Mara and Josh and produced by Josh. Um, music is provided by Ben Ash. Visit him at benash.com. 
If you want to contact us, please, dear God, do so at hfkpodcast at gmail.com or on Twitter at hfkpodcast. We are available on iTunes, Google, Stitcher, Radio Public, SoundCloud. We're on Goodreads. We're on Goodreads. I don't still remember what we're called, but if you just search us, if you just search like Hello Fellow Kids, you, you'll find us and you'll be able to keep track of what we're going to be reading next. Thanks for reading. Listening. What? What? <laughs> <laughs>